We are in Lamentations chapter 3 this morning. Lamentations chapter 3. Happy New Year, everybody. I thought, I thought it was just going to be like me and my wife here today. I really did. I thought, I, um, I'm impressed with uh, your faithfulness. Those of you at home, good to see you guys. Man, it's crazy out there. Um, I only lost my truck once on the way to church today, so that's good. Um, so Lamentations 3. Uh, before we start, I'll say this. We'll start this way. I started coming to church when I was 14 years old. I went to this church in Waterford, Michigan, and I'd go there every week, and this preacher would preach. And I would go there, and I would sit there, and I would be in the zone. Like, I was listening. Like, I wanted to hear what this guy had to say. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know if I believed it, but I was listening intently. I'm like, talk to me, preacher man. Tell me something real. So I'm listening, and over time, I decide, I believe this. Like, this is not, this guy's not making this crap up. This is real stuff. And so I put my faith in Jesus. I start following Jesus. So every week, I'd love going to church. It was the highlight of my week. I would, I mean, I would ride my bike to church five miles from my house. This is not one of those five miles, you know, uphill both ways in the wind. I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm tough. I'm just saying I, I, I ride my awesome bike to church, and I loved going. And for me, I'd go to church and on Sundays, like, hearing the word was like a refill. Like, the week was hard. I was in high school. I was going to public school still. So every day at school, I'm going to school. I'm all worn down, trying to be a, a Christian in a crazy, crazy world. I come to church to remind myself I believe this stuff. This is, this is who I want to be. So it, it filled my cup up. Then all week long, I'd be giving that cup out. So every time I go to church on Sunday, I was thirsty. I was ready to get some more goodness. You know what I'm saying? That's a good thing. I, I had the right heart, but here's the problem. As that 14, 15, 15-year-old kid, I began thinking to myself, that preacher man is a holy man, and only holy people can read the Bible. So I'm coming to the holy man, tell me what God says. Tell me his word, now listen to it, but I was afraid to read it by myself. I was truly, this, this Bible, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, it seemed too big for me, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know where to start, so I didn't read it very much. I'd go to the pastor man, he'd tell me what it said, and that was good enough for me. So then i go to Bible college. The Lord calls me to ministry. I'm like, Lord, I don't know nothing. I go to Bible college where I didn't know nothing. First day of class, Old Testament survey with Dr. Marty. He gives us on our first day of class a hundred question test. First day. It was not worth a grade. It was called an assessment exam. They wanted to see how much you knew. So all Old Testament questions, like, you know, who's the father of Isaac? And I was like, uh, you know, Antonio? I don't know. I don't know. Like, who, what do I know? Like, I, so I do this test. I get 12 right out of 100. That's how much Bible I knew back in the day. 12 right out of 100. I was like, hey. But they told me in the class I had to read the entire Old Testament in one semester. That was seven chapters every night to keep on track with the class. It's an hour of reading for one class every single day. I start reading it. I'm scared. I'm like, this Bible's too big. It's too bad. I start reading through Genesis. And something crazy happens. I read it, and I understand it. It's not like in French or Russian. It's in English. 
not only that, like, I'm like, okay, there's people doing things. There's stories. This guy loves this girl, loves this guy. It's like, I, I'm reading these, I'm like, okay, I get this. Like, I'm reading these stories, and I'm like, I can read the Bible. I didn't even know. I started reading the Bible. I started loving it. All these stories I've never read before. I'm like, this guy is this dude's dad? I didn't know. Like, it's, just, it's just unlocking to me God's word. So I'm reading the whole book. And near the end of the year, I'm all the way in 2 Kings, the end of the book. And 2 Kings is like this part where Jerusalem surrounded by an army. Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon has marched against Jerusalem. And his army's way bigger than Israel's army. And I'm like, oh man, and I'm waiting for the, the... See, in the Bible, every time I read the Bible, a lot of the stories have happy endings. Usually at the like, 11th hour, when everything seems lost, God shows up. I loved it. I'd read the Bible and see God show up, and I'm like, man, God, you're the baddest, dude. The, it made me love him even more. Because I'm reading some kings, Jerusalem surrounded, I'm waiting for God to show up. I'm like, okay, God, be the hero. Let's have the, let's have the happy ending. I'm waiting for it. And it's getting, inside the city, it's getting worse and worse. It gets so bad in the city, they're getting seized by Babylon. So uh, back in the day, when you want to destroy a fortified city, you would surround it and just cut it off and let them starve on the inside. It got so bad inside Jerusalem. There's a story they tell where someone comes to the king. The king is like the judge. They come to the king and say, king, judge between us. And there's two mothers, and one mother says, listen, we were starving so bad, we came to a deal. These two families were, if we killed and ate my child first, then we can kill and eat their child second. Well, we killed and ate my kid, and they won't give their kid up. Make them give the kid up. That's fair. Like, that's how bad it gets in the city. And the king hears his story, and he weeps because he knows we're, we're all going to die in here. Like, it, it, it's so bad. They're eat, like it's, just, it's, just, it's, a, it's, it's a horror movie inside of there. I'm waiting for God to show up, and guess what? Doesn't happen. Jerusalem falls. As a 19-year-old guy, I remember reading that, and I legitimately had a few tears roll out of my face. Like I, I cried, because I was like, how could this have happened? How could God's people fall? Like, not only did they lose, Nebuchadnezzar walks in and he burns the temple of God down. And the ark disappears from history, right? We don't know where, and yeah, that's the Indiana Jones temple or the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The ark is gone because Babylon took it somewhere. They tear down the palace. Every great house is burned to the ground and they take all the, Israel, the Jewish people and make them slaves of Babylon. And then Nebuchadnezzar is so angry at the Jews' rebellion, he sent one of his generals back to Jerusalem to tear the wall down brick by brick so no one can ever live there again. They burn that place to the ground. I remember first reading that story, and I'm like, I guess bad things can happen like that. And in that context, we come to Lamentations. Lamentations is a poem written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet who lived during the siege of Jerusalem. Jeremiah for years warned his people, if we don't turn back to God, he's letting that line off the hook. It's going to come here. It's going to eat us. And the people wouldn't 
listen. For he, Jeremiah once prayed to God, how long will I preach and the people not hear? And they never listen. God gets him out, and Jeremiah takes with him all the faithful that believe in God. They all like, kind of leave the city. But Jeremiah looks back, and he sees the armies of Nebuchadnezzar come and surround it, and he watches his home burn. He watches the place he grew up burn to the ground. Friends taken into slavery. The temple of the Lord torn down brick by brick. He sees all that, and as an old man, he goes to Egypt, and he will die there as an old man. A stranger in a strange land. A foreigner, an immigrant. And with all of that nightmarish hellscape he witnessed, he writes this poem. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has deceived and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness at the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughing stock of all the peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I hope you feel that. This is a man in great pain. He has seen horrible things, Jeremiah has. He has witnessed the end of his home. And this poem is a poem about his pain, hence the name Lamentations, to lament, to mourn. What I want to say about this is this. Jeremiah goes through this awful thing, and what does he do? He goes through this terrible season, and he writes poetry about it. And some of what he writes isn't true. He says, God is like a bear waiting for me, a lion in hiding to tear me limb from limb. Is God really a bear trying to t- waiting in a cave to get us? No. But you know what? It feels that way. It can feel that way. 
He says, I cry and call for help, but he shuts out my prayer. Does God shut out our prayers? No. But does it feel like that? Yes, it can. And what Jeremiah is doing, he's giving voice to how he feels. And that is okay. It's crazy that so much of the Bible is poetry. The Bible is not just radio instructions. If you want to have good kids, do A, B, and C, plug in D to slot E, and you've got a great child. That's not how the Bible's written. A lot of it's in poetry. It's people engaging their emotions and giving voice to their heart. I think about a third of the Bible is flowery weirdness. And that tells us something. Here's where I want to start. Bad things happen. And it's okay to feel it. Bad things do happen. And it is okay to feel that. When someone asks you the question, how are you doing? What's the answer? Good. I'm doing good, dude. I'm doing great. Because the, the question, it's, a, it's, it's more like a greeting. It's more like just like a hello, and we answer with the appropriate response. But a lot of us, even with someone who loves us, ask the question, hey, man, you okay? With real concern. Oh, man, I'm good. That's, that's our, our default setting for most of us is to take these cards and hold them close to the chest. We want to pretend that we're all right. I don't want to admit that I'm not doing well. As Americans, we have a real hard time with admitting I'm not doing okay. What do we do with our hurt? What do we do with the bad times we go through? A lot of us are running so fast, we get through the bad times and go into our next season. Man, that was crazy. I got back to work, 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 work. Like we just, we just move from the insane to the normal. We just, we just don't even engage what just happened at all. It's just sitting there. All that pain, all that trauma, we don't engage it at all. But guess what? It's in our bones. If you go through a hard thing, it's in you. It's chilling out in your blood, in your bones, in your soul. Some of us, some of the, some of the guys in the room, I think probably men and women both do this. Take it and just shove it down. It's like packing the suitcase to go somewhere. Get in there. We shove it all down. We zip it up. And we're like, okay, it's packed. And when one day it just breaks open and we blow up on someone, they're like, where'd that come from? Like, it came from 20 years of just pushing crap down. Then it explodes. We zip it back up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just hungry. Like, it's, we're crazy people. We don't actually deal with the hurt. We just walk around, either it's unresolved, we've not admitted it to ourselves, we're in denial. We think that the Christian thing to do is pretend we're all right. Well, Christians can't be sad. Christians must be happy, so I'm happy. And we lie. There's a book called Lamentations of the Bible, which must, if it means anything, it means it's okay to lament. Church family, people online, we have been through a brutal two years together, guys.
I have seen family turn against family over masks and vaccines and virus. We've been, knowing what to do has been hard. Like, it isn't hard to know what to do. Do I get vaccinated? Do my kids get vaccinated? Do I wear a mask? Do I go outside? Do I stay inside? Do I go out to school? It's like the questions are hard. And the questions have real weight. What if my kid goes to school and gets sick? I would, like, if my kid gets sick and goes to the hospital, what do I do with that feeling? Like, there is, it, it's hard to navigate things. Some of us lost our jobs in the pandemic. Some of us were laid off for six, six months. Some of us were, were, some of us were are working retail or at restaurants. God, some of you are teachers or police officers. I mean, God bless you guys because we're awful. We're terrible. We're all going through the stress. And what do we do? We're mean to JCPenney workers or McDonald's tellers. To our teachers who love our kids, we treat them like dirt, man. We're all carrying on all this hurt and all this fear and anxiety, and we're going into another stinking season. It's wintertime, and numbers are crazy right now. Numbers are insane. My brother-in-law works over at Steakin' Grand Rapids, the um, Spectra, Sparta, something called something, SP something. Isn't that like a SP50? I don't know what it is. Um, over there, he works over there, and he says it's, 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 it's ERs are full with, with numbers again over there. And so again, we're like, in Flint, there's talk of not going to school tomorrow or Tuesday. They're afraid that what, what if we go out to school and everyone saw their, saw their families for Christmas and they got sick and they're bringing it back to school. So all like, what do we do? It's hard to know the answer. So we all have this, this questioning, this fear, this wonder. And we all just keep on walking like nothing's going on. And we give no voice to the hard things we've been through. Instead, we're all just jerkier to each other. On the roads, in restaurants, in the church. I have seen, now listen, I thank God I get a pastor Flint City because you guys have not tried to kill me. And I, for that, I am grateful. We have tried to do, our children are still separated by family units. We separate them all like six feet out and stuff, you know? We wore masks for a year. People were like, are you afraid of the virus? I'm like, I'm afraid of you. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, was going to be mean. <laughs> I'm afraid of your mama. No, uh, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't fear. It was respect for our authorities. It's been hard. And even though we've done, it's been hard to navigate, there's been a lot of grace given by everybody. For that word, thank you. We're all trying to figure it out. What do you do with your pain? What do you do with your fear? What do you do after a bad week or a bad day? A lot of us, you keep on walking. we got to give it voice. How can you do that? Some people like to journal. Jeremiah wrote a poem, yo. If you're a songwriter, write a song. Even a bad song is good for feeling pain. Understood? Even your song is, if you, if you write a poem and your poem's, poem is bad, if it helps you communicate your feelings, it's good. If you paint, paint it. I don't know. Maybe you share it with somebody. Talk to a friend. Sit down with someone and say, you know, I've, I've just, 
I'm feeling real tired. I'm feeling real stressed. I'm feeling anxious. It's okay. Don't tell everybody, because that's just weird. Like, because not everybody knows you and loves you enough, you know? Meet some strange. How you doing? Oh, man. Me and my wife are fighting. Oh, like, oh, jeez. I, I don't know your name. Uh, like, you do, be, be, be wise. But don't just let that stuff sit on top of you. It'll kill you. My kids and I watched a TV show called Camp Cretaceous. It's just a park cartoon, okay, on Netflix. And there's these kids in the, in the Jurassic Park, and they're, they got left in the park, these, these six kids. And you watch, you watch, you watch the cartoon every week, and it's, it's fun. It's like there's the T-Rex and raptors, and it's all the good sound effects and the good music. It's great. Well, this, these are four came out Christmas Eve. We've been watching it again. We've been watching the new season. And something crazy happened in the show. Usually it's just adventure time, you know? Dinosaurs run, ah, and we laugh and get scared, and it's great. We were watching just the other day. Something scary happened. We all jumped off our couch. It's a really good show. But uh, one of the characters in the show started having nightmares um, about dinosaurs. And began, whenever they would, she'd hear dinosaurs roaring in the distance, she would start sweating and get scared and she'd freeze. She's like, Dad, what's happening to her? I'm like, you know, she's been through so much awfulness in this show. She's having, like, PTSD, basically. What's that, Dad? And I explained to him how pain can literally just leave a mark on your body so strong. Memories can trigger you to do crazy things. And the kids asked me a very wise question. Well, Dad, what, what do you do if that happens? What if you do something painful? How do you not be, get stuck in the pain? I'm like, that's a very good question, kids. You've got to admit it. You've got to face it. And everyone's different. Some of you, that's a friend. Some of you, that's prayer. Some of you, that's journaling. Some of you, that's a counselor. I'm serious. When I was in college, I had to see an anger management counselor because I wanted to hurt people all the time. And that's not normal. Who knew? Just... The counselor's like, that's not normal. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, you got to face it because it stays in there. Jeremiah admits, I just lost my home. How do you think I feel? And he just shares all the pain. God, I feel like you're far away. I feel like everyone's laughing at me all the time. I'm the laughing stock among all peoples. I have forgotten what happiness feels like. And then he says this in verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah goes, you know, man, I'm an old man. I'm a stranger in a strange land. My, my home's been destroyed. My people are in bondage. And even with all this hurt, I call something to mind to hold on to hope. You think about hope. Hope is, hope is not for the good times. Hope is for the bad times. You know what hope is? When I was 20 years old, I worked two full-time jobs every day. 80 hours a week, I worked 
um, a rest, as a restaurant cook, manager. That job would end at 10 o'clock. I'd go to Kmart. They would lock me in. I was the overnight stock boy at Kmart. They'd lock me in. I'd restock the Kmart, and then they'd unlock me in the morning and let me go. It was awful. Get home every day exhausted, but I knew it's just for the summer. When summer comes, I go back to Chicago, back to college, and my buddies. I just got to go through this exhausting work for three more months. Because to see the hope, guess what? I could endure. This is going to end. This is not my forever. This is a moment of hardship. And then I can be lazy again. <laughs> not really, I do homework and stuff. It was, it was, but it wasn't Kmart, let me tell you that. <sighs> Hope is that light, that, that, that feeling that, you know, even if I'm in darkness, I remember how the sun feels upon my skin. I remember how green the grass is. I remember there's more than what I'm going through right now. And hope gets you through. Now, without hope, whew, it's hard to walk without hope. When, they, when your hope dies, it's very easy to just want to give up, to get in bed and never get out, to having thoughts in your mind, dark, dark thoughts. It would be better if I wasn't here. When the hope goes away, it's very easy to get lost inside yourself. And we all have different things to put our hope in. What do we put our hope in? People put their hope in a relationship. If I found someone to love, that would save me. Listen. If you think a spouse is going to save you, I've been married 18 years. I've been married 18 years. Ask my poor wife. Getting married doesn't fix all your problems. It gives you a whole lot more. And I'm being funny, but it's, it's, getting married isn't easy. Because what? You have two sets of problems now. I go up this way. Well, I go up that way. Well, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. All of a sudden, yes, you have conflict. My wife can't fix me. We walk together. But you can't, I, I can't put all my hope in her. But if I put all my hope in my spouse, if you put all your hope in your spouse, that's too much weight for anyone to bear. You can't put your hope in your kids either. I, I'll have a kid, and it'll be okay. That poor kid. That, that kid, your happiness, you're going to stick and smother that kid. It can't be success. That's what? You can lose your job. Our hope cannot be something that finite or fleeting. So what must our hope be in? Listen to what he says. This is what, I, this is what Jeremiah calls to mind to give himself hope. Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. What does Jeremiah call to hope? What does he hold on to as he is this foreign man, this immigrant in a foreign land, too old to work, he remembers, man, my God, his steadfast love endures. 
The steadfast love of the, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Our hope must be in the Lord. See, Jeremiah, even though he's going through the hard thing, even though he watched his home burn, God did save him. He was outside the city watching. God was with them even in the midst of the pain. In the midst of all that rubble, God was still walking with Jeremiah. And he remembers, man, even though it's this, even though this is hard, I know he who called me. I know he who spoke to me. And he is good. And his mercy is new every morning. So we just, it's new year, it's January 2nd. It's January 2nd today. Okay? It's a new year. Who here stayed up till midnight? Anyone stay up till midnight? How many guys fire a firearm? No, 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 I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to ask. It was a loud night on New Year's Eve. So something, something we all do, a lot of people do on New Year's, is we all do what? What do we do on New Year's? Resolution. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to go to the gym more. You know Planet Fitness? This is their best January. They make a whole bunch of money. Everyone signs up for the gym, and it's full. Like This week's going to be full. I'm going to be annoyed. But by the 30th of January, you're all gone. You all go back. You all leave us there. Planet Fitness, we're doing our thick and elliptical by ourselves. But the reason we do resolutions every year, the reason we do resolutions every year is because every year we're like, you know what? It's a new year. It's a new chance to try again. There's hope. I'm going to try again. That's not a bad thing, that hope, that desire to say, you know what? This year's a new chance to do it right. But the Lord's so awesome. I'm going to wait till January 1st. The Lord says, man, his mercy is new every morning. Like every time the sun comes up, man, I have breath in my lungs. I'm still alive. It's a chance for me to do this right. To follow the Lord. To honor him. To do things his way. To draw near to him. We, tell, we, work with, we work with a lot of addicts. I got a text yesterday. One of our addicts fell off the, 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 the wagon. We lost one of our guys yesterday. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tough day yesterday. Had a couple dramatic things, traumatic things happen to people we love. But one of our guys, we lost him. Holidays are hard for a lot of people. And for addicts, holidays are often really hard for addicts because a lot of um, addicts come from very, very um, painful lives. And holidays are usually very, very hard for people. This guy started using. He fell off the wagon. We got to find him. We got to go find him. And we find him. We're praying he's still alive. And our prayers that he'll listen to us when we find him. He'll hear our voice. The one thing we tell every one of our addicts, no matter how many times they fall, no matter how many times they stumble, we tell our addicts every time we, we tell our addicts all the time, we say, if you ain't dead, you ain't done. If you fell, if you had five years and you fell down, I'm sorry, it's awful. But let's just start again. Don't just say, well, I messed up. I might as well stay in the muck. No, let's start this from day one. And we'll get a day one coin and a day ten coin and a one month coin. Let's start again. Every, whenever the sun rises up, it's like God is giving me another chance to follow him. His mercy is new every single morning. I love it. After hard days or bad weeks, I see the sun come up and I remember his mercy is new. That sunrise is a promise to me that I have another chance. 
Our hope must be in the Lord. The Lord is the only one who can sustain us in the midst of all this insanity. That's about... I said that... uh, what do you do with the pain that you have? I'm reading this book right now for, for class called Leadership Pain by Sam Chand. And he says this one amazing quote. He says, stress is not the problem. Unrelieved stress is the problem. I really like that. So one thing, the way I, I, I told this before, before, this is how I live my life. So yesterday I get a call from someone in the hospital. And I feel the burden of that. I'm, I'm worried for someone I love. I get a call from one of our families who their, their son started using again. And I feel the burden of that. So I'm feeling this weight of burden, stress, hurt. So what do we do with it? What I do with it is I go, I'll go off alone. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll go to my bedroom. Get alone for a second. I'll get on my knees. And in my mind, all that weight's like filling a backpack with, with weight, with like plates of, you know, with, with, with plates of weight. I get on my knees, I just take the weight out of my backpack, and I put it down at God's feet and say, God, I'm worried about this. This is why I'm worried, this is what I'm carrying. And Lord, I'm worried about this. I take it out and put it at his feet. I pray for the person's situation, the emotion. I admit how I'm feeling. I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm anxious. And I empty the backpack out. I sit there in God's presence. And when I get up, I feel the lightness again. And when I don't empty that backpack, guess what? It'll drown me. It'll drown you too. A new year begins for us, 2022. I have no prophetic vision for what it's going to be like. I can't say, this is the year of... But da, but da, I don't know, I don't know. That's okay, I don't know. But as we begin this new year, if it's been a hard year for you, say it, man, just admit it. Talk to someone you love. Man, it's been a hard year. It's been a hard week, it's been a hard month. I'm tired. I don't know how I feel. Just deal with your hurt and then hold on to hope. The Lord is our hope. Because the Lord is good. I want to read, oh, I just closed my Bible. I'm just Listen to this last thing he says to us. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Wait on him. Even if he feels far away. Wait. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Even if he feels far away, you keep waiting on him, you keep on seeking him, and it says in his word, he's good to those who wait on him. He is faithful, he is true, he is good. Let us put our hope in the Lord this year. He can carry all of our burdens. As his word says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for our friends in the hospital this morning. Give them strength and courage as they wait upon you. 
We pray for this young man who's fallen off the wagon. Lord God, spare his life and bring him back to yourself. For all the families in this room, all the people in this room, it has been a crazy season for all of us. Help us not lie to ourselves. Help us face the hurts and the worries. And in facing them, let us find real healing and true hope in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that your steadfast love never ceases. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. The sun has risen, Lord. You are still the king. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.